Welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Taste of Wessler's hot dogs. Bite. After bite, tasting Wessler's. Get them where you see this brand. And now, preview time. Amadeus, the man, the music, the magic, the madness, the murder, the mystery, the motion picture. That's just a sample of the films to come. cinema mean to me? It's Elliot and E.T. silhouetted against the moon. Angela Bassett and Denzel Washington as Betty and Malcolm. Paul Schofield as St. Thomas More. It's Omar Sharif slowly emerging from that desert heat. It's Antoine Donnell frozen in time on an empty beach. Brie Larson's grace bashing a predator's car in short term 12. The humanity of glory. It's Count Orlok's shadow cast on a staircase late at night. A kestrel flying higher than a young boy's dreams. And Justice for All's Arthur Kirkland and the bittersweet beauty of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It's about iconic imagery, visuals that tell the story that invest me 100% emotionally. No other art form can move me or make me lose myself quite like those 24 frames per second. Sometimes I go to the movies and I like to turn around and see the faces of the people around. 
for Filmotomy's Milestone 100th podcast, you get to hear so many of those cinema moments. This is Robin Wright. I'm joined by Julia from the Diz Insider and Doug from the Jam Report for the main event. Thank you all for sharing your movie memories. Enjoy the show. Popcorn is my favourite thing to enjoy at the cinema or anywhere. Everything I put into a film is based on the idea of me wanting to pay my £10 and sit at a movie theatre and and watch that on screen. Ryan Gosling plays a ukulele Mm -hmm. on the street and I cried my eyes out. The Searchers by John Ford. And I saw that when I was 13 years old. Whenever I saw the picture again, I always learned more. I, I, I experienced more with the film. Free Willy was the first movie I ever saw in America. I was uh, eight, nine years old. I loved all those monster movies. Growing up in Puerto Rico as a kid, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, when I was young, I, I loved League of Their Own. It was like the first movie I remember seeing. You know, movies were my escape, for sure. I remember when I first saw that in the cinema. As I remember them, it was three skinheads. And, um, and they were weeping at Dumbo. When an actor is very good on screen, you kind of fall in love with him. <laughs> I love Marlon Brando. I love, um, yeah, Streetcar Named Desire. When I was sort of 15, something my mum did, which was kind of not like her, although she was, she was nurturing in other ways, was to take us to the cinema for my 16th. Just to make an all day, which was really weird for her to say something like that. Um, so we did an all day, and you'll get to see my age now. But um, <laughs> the the four films, which can't be more different. The first one was Reservoir Dogs, um, which my mum hated. Um, then Sister Act, and my brother came, so we sort of interchanged. I think me and my brother then saw Sister Act, and my mum went to see Bram Stoker's Dracula, <laughs> just to see. <laughs> she had it in mind that I would see that as well. So bear in mind, these these were eighteen certificate films, and I'm like, obviously, I think I'm a, the big man. I'm watching these eighteen, <laughs> uh, and then I watched Bram Stoker's Dracula by myself, and I was like really scared about going in on my own. You know, when you're fifteen, it's an eighteen kiss. Not for the scared for the film, scared of getting like dragged out, um, and then single white female. So, like, four very strange films. Um, but that was, like, my birthday thing. I'll always remember that. Because uh, as as a cinema experience, I think Single White Female and Sister Act are fine. But Bram Stoker's Dracula, I mean, not on the big screen when you were, when you were young, mm. was quite something. Um, it's a film, as you grow up, you realise it has its flaws. But at, at that time, very excited to see this horror three years before I was supposed to, so I was, like, breaking the law. <laughs> but also Reservoir Dogs, I mean, a film that kind of, like, was, like, something we would never see, it, no matter what age you were. I think that was a film that was just so brand new. And for me, seeing that, I, I, I was shell-shocked watching Reservoir Dogs. My mum hated it. She was, like, she didn't like violence. They were just talking. She just hated it. And I was, like... Uh, it took me a while to realise that, that I loved it and obviously Tarantino was born so I mean Doug do you, do you want to go next with kind of one of your cinematic uh, stories or memories? sure sure so um, I mean much like most children of the last you know nine decades my, my first trip to the cinema was to see a Disney film um and i we i think it was we were in 1990 so we we got uh, the little mermaid a year after everybody else because that's the way australia works unfortunately back then um and i was i was old enough to to finally go to the cinema obviously i i think i'd been wanting to do it for a long time but you know you got got to wait till a child is kind of at the right age to to sit still and be quiet and I'd kind of been really instructed that you know this this wasn't like watching a movie on tv at home like you've got to be respectful full of everybody else and and keep quiet um so so to go and to see the little mermaid on the big screen was a very special experience and and it did i didn't need to be told to be quiet like that movie just grabs my attention from the opening scene and i was just completely enthralled the whole time and that was really the start of 
you know, everything for me with my love of films, but particularly my love of, of Disney films and my love of musicals, I, I can trace it all back to that moment. And it was a really special experience to then be able to be a child during Disney's kind of ren- you know, renaissance period where we went through Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, to be right at that that sweet spot of that target audience was, I, I feel so lucky to have been a child during that time, but particularly to, to be able to have seen The Little Mermaid on the big screen as my first film in a cinema is something that, I, it really, it did change my life kind of thing, you know, I, I, and I, I still remember it, you know, go, going with my nan and, that was just it, I'd, I'd been counting down the days till we were going and, and it, it, you know, it didn't disappoint in any way. And that's kind of where my love affair with going to the cinema began and has only gotten stronger sort of over the years. It's good. It's good time to sort of bring Julia in because Julia, t- tell us, so tell Doug what what you do regarding Disney. I know. I mean, it's a, it seems like the perfect guest all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I haven't been on. I- as much for this site lately because I've done I've been kind of doing stuff on I'm a news or site called the direct but I am a contributor on the Diz Insider um, that's a site where we cover all things Disney um, so there's the Disney and Pixar stuff the parks Star Wars Marvel etc so I did that and I went to D23 last year and I was on this podcast for that as well um, but one of my stories I had was um, actually a, a Disney movie as well um, this was in I think in 2001 so it was, yeah it was the 10 year anniversary of Beauty and the Beast and I was five or four or five I'm not sure which um but it was re-released and we I went to see and this was the first time I ever saw a movie in IMAX and I think it was the first time I ever watched Beauty and the Beast as well but I think it was really cool because like the way the theater we were in it felt like almost like almost like going to like a stage show because we were, like, close to the screen, and it was the big thing. They had, like, the red curtains almost, and it was, like, gold inside, and it looked almost like the palace in the movie. And they had all the musical numbers on it, and I think that is when I got into, because um, I started to see it as, like, almost like a theatrical thing, like, as in almost like an onstage thing, because there was a cut musical number from the movie called Human Again, which was moved back to the Broadway musical, but it was the animation portion was in this screening. And it was choreographed, like, it's animation and everything, but it looks like uh, an out-Broadway musical number. So it was kind of like that. And I started getting into, like, really wanting to be involved in this whole entertainment side of things, of the business, I think, after seeing that. Because that was just, like, a special experience for me, being able to see that. And it was funny because um, 10-ish years later, or 11 years later, 2012, I saw it again on the big screen when it was really again with my theater class in high school. And so that was when I started doing wanting to do theaters when I first saw Beauty and the Beast. And then I watched Beauty and the Beast with some of my theater friends. We all went to kind of bond as a cast, some of us, before we opened a musical the following week. But, yeah, it was really cool. Like, that movie has been, like, so connected with me in terms of, I don't know, just my interest and love in the, inter- in the entertainment world. I hope that makes sense. I'm sorry. No, it does. It's good that we, had the, the, that we could connect the Disney thing because I wasn't sure. Well, well I was fairly certain you would mention it, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, of course I had to mention it in this movie. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. So, I suppose it's a cliche, but the cinema that shaped you, uh, you know, that, that's always... I, I listen to those stories all day long. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't old enough to see Saving Private Ryan in a cinema, but I did three times. It scored itself into me forever, watching people around me push deep into their seats, eyes peeling away from the screen and through the back of their heads. I saw them trying to escape their comfort, and that fear and shock shook me and made me know I loved the power of film. I was in the cinema in Edinburgh in 2019, watching a film called Wild Rose. The climax of the film is a beautiful song called Glasgow, and at this moment, somebody in the cinema lit up a joint. Everyone was looking around, trying to identify the source, but we can't tell where it's coming from. And it broke the whole spell of the film. I like to go um, to the cinema on my own for my birthday um, in order to treat myself and watch whatever film I want to watch. This time I decided I would go watch A Ghost Story, a film I've been looking forward to for a very long time. I was the only one in the actual screener, apart from two older women who would not shut up 
all the way through it. They had, you know, were completely frustrated with what was being shown on screen and decided they would leave in the most noisy and <laughs> disturbing manner possible. Uh, luckily, once they had left, uh, my viewing experience was a lot better. Going to see Get Out in theaters. At the very end of the film, there is a moment where the entire theater went completely still in shock and horror. And then when the ultimate twist was revealed, I've never experienced an eruption of applause like that in my life. When a group of friends and I uh, saw Gone Girl in 2014, we didn't know what to expect. And every time the movie twisted and turned, we would just be yelling. And, we'd be, and it was so thrilling to be there. Seeing Personal Shopper, everyone on the way out of the theater was like, what happened? Reactions were all over the place and it was a very communal theater experience. A guy in front of me sort of nods his head to the side and makes this kind of croaky noise and I'm like, shit, did he die? Did I just witness someone die? The lights go up, the movie stops. Turns out he just fainted. My favorite movie experience ever was whenever I went and saw Avengers Endgame. It was this culmination of all of these films. And what it made what made it even more exciting was the fact that I was in there with so many people that were just as excited as I was. When you have that moment when Doctor Strange is opening those portals and these people come out, and then you hear Cap say, Avengers Assemble, the crowd erupted. And it was one of the coolest in-theater experiences of my life. I'm going to go to um, 1990, and I know somebody else has mentioned Dances with Wolves. As far as cinema goes, this is a really sort of personal film. Uh, my, my dad, this is when I was like 1990, when, when I was... Do, do I like? Do I love cinema more than anything else? Certainly do. My dad was went to see it, and he was humming, humming the music, and he was saying, like, we've got to go see this. You know, this was like a parent turning into a child, begging the children to go see it. My brother was two years younger than me. Um, so we were very young, and he wanted us to see this film, this impact that it had on him. So we went, I mean, I don't have to explain the impact of this film on the big screen. I mean, it really is quite fantastic. Uh, at the time, I wasn't really interested in the politics of cinema and, and the kind of how the epics weren't really being made then. This was kind of re revitalised it, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, that, that one was a, was a special one. And that and that's that film and that score by John Barry, I still get chills now when I think it. And, and he that, that soundtrack is kind of the soundtrack to, in my head, that score is, is there 30 years ago. You know, that was a long time. It's still there now, and I'm not sick of it. But that was like... That was a defining moment for me, I suppose, becoming a teenager almost and having a seeing a film like that, you know, just breathtaking. And I think it still holds up today. Doug, I'll, I'll go back to you, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, I'll kind of switch gears to a very recent one. Um, so last year we were in Australia very, very very lucky that we were one of the first English-speaking countries in the world to get Parasite. Uh, we had it at the Sydney Film Festival just, I think it was maybe two or three weeks after it debuted at Cannes and won the Palme d'Or. And we were even uh, more lucky to have uh, Bong Joon-ho come to the Sydney Film Festival to present the film. And it was screened at the State Theatre, which is a... A theatre, I, I would highly recommend people Google this theatre because it was built in the 1920s. Uh, it is just the most beautiful, beautiful theatre in Sydney, it, one of the most beautiful theatres in the world. And it, it serves as kind of the the main hub for the Sydney Film Festival every year, which I, you know, w was very sad to not be able to attend this year, obviously, because it was cancelled because I, you know, get to attend that theatre maybe sort of 10 to 15 times over the course of the two weeks. And it's it's such a beautiful place 
to watch a film in itself. So that's that's always a experience, um, and it, it it holds about sort of two thousand people. And for this screening of Parasite, which was obviously the Australian premiere, it was completely sold out. So it was a packed house. Um, we got to uh, hear Bong introduce the film, do it sort of a quick Q and A before it started, and. Uh, you know, in in Sydney, there's a, a a very large Asian community, particularly a very large Korean community. So, you know, the, the audience was sort of predominantly an Asian audience as well. And I I can't remember a time, certainly recently, that an audience was so with a film and so into the film. Um, you know, they broke out into applause probably four or five times during the film. And at that point, Parasite didn't have a trailer. I'm sure a lot of people didn't really know much about the film other than sort of that there was the poster, but the poster certainly didn't give away anything about the film. And to to watch a movie like, like that, completely cold on details and just be taken along for the ride that Bong had created with a, a major, like a, a major audience, a massive audience, it, it was such a such a special experience, and I think at the end of most film festival screenings, there's usually sort of obligatory applause because that's just what you do at a film festival. But the reaction at the end of the movie, there was like Bong wasn't there anymore because he was only just there to introduce it and leave. But there was a standing ovation, even though there was no one there. I I can't remember the last time I saw such a response for a film, and I I will remember that night of, for the rest of my life. Julia, do you have another? This is again going off of dogs, so I'm, I guess this is just what I'm doing. But I, um, <laughs> I started going to TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival, a couple of years ago. And um, I've gotten to go to two of the premieres there. I've been to a bunch of the other movies there. But like the actual premieres where the actors and directors never come out after. Um, they were, in 2018, it was A Star is Born, and then last year, it was A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And I was in this theater called The Elgin we have in Toronto, and I was um, pretty high up on the balcony for those, so I got to kind of see everybody and, like, just kind of collectively experience the movie with everybody. Like, for Star is Born, there are a lot of tears, and then for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, there's a lot of stuff, like, it just... In that movie, everyone was like, they kind of didn't know how to react. Like, there were some parts that were, like, kind of funny, but kind of creepy and kind of sentimental. Um, I know creepy is surprising for that kind of movie, but, yeah, there were some creepy bits. And it's just, like, you can kind of feel like everyone kind of trying to figure out what to think of the movie together. But it was, like, a nice experience. It wasn't anything really creepy or weird or anything. Like, it didn't feel uncomfortable. It was just like, oh, we're just kind of trying to figure this out and watch this and enjoy this together and, like, hear about it afterwards. And so I really like it when... Uh, they have the actors come out after and the directors and they kind of do a sit-down interview with them for like half an hour after these premieres and they really get into um, why they wanted to make the movie, what is it about it. Um, At Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, they actually had, I think, I don't know if it was the journalist or someone related to them, but something to do with that at the screening. And it was just, it's just really cool that I'm lucky to live near Toronto where I can have these experiences and go to the festival and see all this. And it just, I don't know, it's just with such a big crowd as well, I think, to experience the movie. Because that's a really big theater, the Elgin. The Elgin is mostly a stage theater, like live performing arts. So it's just, you know, it just feels different when it's like so many people as opposed to a regular movie theater. Thinking back about like my memories with movies and my relationship with it, it's weird because it's been such an integral part of my, well, my upbringing, really. Whether it was going to see Toy Story and A Bug's Life's kind of my first few cinema outings, or being older and working in a cinema for years and loving it. Like, movies have been there forever for me, really, in some shape or form. Seeing Enter the Void at the Toronto Film Festival in 2009, it's just such an immersive film, so seeing it on a big screen like that was just mind-blowing for me. Gaspar Noé did a Q&A afterwards, and that same day I had already seen Antichrist and the White Ribbon, so it was just a perfect end to a crazy day. Seeing Portrait of a Lady on Fire last fall during the Calgary International Film Festival, and it was the last film for the whole week, 
there was this huge snowstorm that came in that kind of put a damper on the experience of the festival because it was September, this cold snap comes. I just wanted a good experience and it was. It was just such a quiet, beautiful film to cap on to the end of the festival circuit. I went to see Star Wars The Phantom Menace uh, on opening night. I was with a friend of mine at the time. We were in high school. It had been years since a Star Wars movie, so the, the hype was amped up. and People were lined up, and they were camping out overnight. We just thought it would be fun to camp out in the city and, and wait for the, the midnight showing. It, uh, it turned out to be quite a memorable experience, probably more memorable than the movie itself. When I saw the 2003 live-action Peter Pan, you know, I, growing up, I had liked the animated one okay, but it wasn't really a favorite of mine. And seeing the live-action version of it back then as a seven- or eight-year-old kid, it just kind of blew, blew my mind. When I think about great movie experiences that formed my uh, life, I, I definitely think about uh, Home Alone as the first movie that uh, really made me laugh. And I remember going to the theater with my grandparents and just cracking up. I remember going to the movies with my dad who was obsessed with Kung Fu and martial arts films because nobody else would go with him. He sent me to take karate lessons while he just pretended to be Bruce Lee in the back garden. But it set me in good stead because later on in my life I spent nearly 10 years in Hong Kong. Because of my great age, I can remember going to the cinema when you could still smoke in cinemas. And they had smoking sections, but of course the smoking uh, sections didn't mean very much because <laughs> you were watching the screen through a very thick haze of smoke. Dances with Wolves, director's cut. A time when I had quite a lot of cynicism about that sort of filmmaking, really, but kind of restored my faith in it. Taking my mom to see her favourite film on the big screen for the first time, Giant, starring Rock Hudson and Elizabeth Taylor, and I took her to see it at the Tiff Bell Light Box during a uh, limited release. We were seated in a theatre full of people, we were right in the centre. It was such an, a special experience that I'll never forget. Probably one of my favorite uh, experiences has always been, has always been the midnight 12:01 a.m. screenings that I would attend with my mom, and it was always a great time. The energy was just always just so infectious. Uh, you know, people were excited. That's probably one of my favorite memories uh, of me in the movies growing up. When I was in high school, I saw A Cure for Wellness in theaters with a friend of mine, and we were the only two people in the theater. And A Cure for Wellness is kind of a bonkers movie, so we just spent the whole time like kind of riffing with it, talking aloud, and we were able to have these like completely unfiltered reactions because there was no one there with us. It was probably the most fun I've had in a theater. One of my favorite cinema experiences in recent times was going to see Trainspotting 2 at the Everyman Bristol. It was premiere night, the screening was packed out, and you could tell it was all people who'd seen the original 20 years ago. And there was just this aura of nostalgia and everyone was just having a laugh and, and at the end everyone gave it a big round of applause. Now it's time for ice cream. Or maybe some nuts. A cool glass of orange. Why not try a hot dog? Or the real thing, a cool, refreshing Coca-Cola. From the sales staff and in the foyer, now. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort of touch on, uh, not not a festival, but um, I suppose we have to mention Christopher Nolan at some point. Um, oh. I remember seeing Inception first of all, which again was another film where you think you've seen everything on the big screen, and, and then you watch this um, incredible film, just mind-boggling and fantastic. 
but the film I want to talk about, I suppose in a bit more detail, is Dunkirk, which I saw on Twitter that I was ranting a lot, and I think there was a lot of ranting about the the IMAX experience, that it was only in select theatres, and there was a big debate about, well, you can you can start to see it in IMAX, it's okay, and I, but I really wanted to see it in IMAX, and I, where I'm from in the UK, there's only set there's only set like the big cities that that did it. So I, you know, I settled for a normal, you know, normal screen. Um, first time, loved it, blown away. But I was so determined to see it, I, I just sort of right picked up the phone, called my dad, said, Doug, "This this is a film you're gonna love." You know, you call your dad to see a war movie, how cliche. Um, but I thought he's gonna like this. And I said, but we have to go like to Sheffield, uh, which is the closest to see it on a, like a. I can't remember how big the screens are, but massive, big curved screen. I was telling my dad about it. And he was like, oh bloody hell! I, I don't know if you remember, but we went and saw that. And just to see it again on 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 that screen, completely different experience. To surpass the first, uh, and I even like went back and changed my review, you know, to say well now I've been to see it uh, on, on IMAX. Oh, that, that was just amazing. Uh, well worth the journey, well worth the money. Uh, just the, just the, that talk about being immersed, the, it feels like the screen is actually wrapping around you. Um, IMAX is just incredible. Uh, I'd, I'd love to do it again. I haven't done it since, I, I, I will say, but certainly it's something I want to do uh, again. I wanted to do it with 1917. I just didn't get around to it, but that Dunkirk experience is going to be it's going to be tough to top, even though I've already seen it, to see it again, you know, in a completely different format. Just to have cinema just take you, that's right up there for me. So, yeah. So I I, I haven't watched Dunkirk on, you know, Blu-ray or, or in a TV setting because I just, <laughs> I feel like it won't be the same. I love that movie so, so much. Uh, I got to see it. We, we had 70 millimeter screenings here, which was, you know, an, another sort of special experience. Uh, but I just, I don't see how that experience of seeing it on a big screen could, could the same watching it at home. I would love to watch it again, but I just, I have that memory of seeing it in a cinema and I just don't feel like it would, it would be replicated if I watched it at home, which is, which is which was also the case with 1917. I haven't watched that again since seeing it in the cinema last year. Cause I just feel like, it's designed to be seen in a cinema. Doug, do you have a, a, anything else you want to mention? Um, yeah, there was another one. That, I mean, this is kind of a, a, a an interaction with an audience member, which is something you know we're not having at the moment. Watching things at home. Uh, I, when I saw La La Land a few years ago, I ended up seeing that film several times in the cinema because I just completely fell in love with it. Uh, sort of towards the the end of its run in cinemas here, it was me and maybe about three other people in the cinema, uh, I was seated near a, a, an elderly woman and at the end of the film, she turned to me because I was the nearest person next to her. She was completely crying. Um, and she said something like, oh, you know, my, my, my husband would love that movie. Uh, you know, why don't they make movies like that anymore? And we just had a little chat about the film afterwards and just kind of connected. And, and, and she was quite amazed that someone so young, you know, in her eyes, so young, uh, was so into a movie like that because it was a, a film, obviously very similar to movies that she had grown up with in her past, you know, that, that kind of big Hollywood musical that we kind of get every couple of years, but nothing really in that old school classic style like Damien Chazelle had crafted with La La Land. And it was such a lovely experience to kind of just connect with another audience member, but to see what a film like that could mean to someone who clearly genuinely hadn't seen movies like that in decades other than re-watching old movies, to see something new capture that old spirit and, and, and hit an audience member on a completely different level to me. Like I'm, I'm sitting there watching it, appreciating it for, what he had constructed and the, the, the songs were fantastic and, and appreciating its connection to, to movies of the past, but to hear that, how that impacted someone who grew up with movies like that was, was so lovely. And, you know, we, we, we don't get that watching things home alone and, and we don't get that if we, 
you know, seeing things socially distanced inside a cinema at the moment here in Australia, if you're going to the cinema, they're blocking out all the seats around you so that you're not near anybody else for obvious reasons. Uh, so it, it was so nice that, you know, that's such a typical elderly person thing to do to just start a conversation with someone after a movie. Um, but it was lovely just to see how a film can affect someone on such a deep level like that. It's funny because, like, with stuff like La La Land and other movies, like, I often, like, look back at older movies and think, what would it have been like to be there and experience it when it was, like, new to the world or whatever or see it on a big screen? So I think it was cool seeing La La Land just for that reason because it felt like an old-school movie musical. And we have, um, I know we have, like, the West Side Story remake coming up, which might be kind of like that, and we have other musicals coming back. I think they're actually making kind of a resurgence. But also for, like, other movies as well. Like, I remember um, it was kind of cool. Um, back in 2015, um, they had Force Awakens came out, obviously. And I hadn't, I was not even really into Star Wars. Um, I just, I watched the movies, like, bits and pieces told before other stuff when I was younger. And then I made a point to watch the original trilogy before seeing Force Awakens. But it was cool to be in that environment with people who had been fans for such a long time. Because my theater was full, even though it was, like, a Saturday morning. And, like, cheering and everything. And, like... Even though I wasn't around when, like, Star Wars was coming out, like, the original ones or anything, I felt like I could appreciate what people experienced now because I'd kind of gotten to see a piece of it. It's, like, it's almost like experiencing another culture in terms of um, movie-going or fandom, I guess. And so I was excited for them when I was in there because I could feel their excitement. And I liked the movie and everything, but, like, just feeling what they were feeling, like, kind of getting to experience that and see that and witness it, that was just something different for me, and it made me feel happy it gave me like a nice positive feeling like I could like share another's joy and so that was kind of a different kind of experience for me I don't know if I've had another experience like that in the movies where it's like I feel like I'm going into like a new world just to experience it with these people being with like a hyped crowd who's seeing it for the first time it's just like getting to see how other people feel about things it's just really exciting for me Now, Dean, what's one of your most memorable cinema experiences? Well, for me, it's got to be a film that I barely watched, I've got to be honest. So, I went in to see Duplicity. I was celebrating me and my now wife's one-year anniversary at the time. I sat down and I didn't feel right. I'd obviously eaten something at the casino that night, maybe, and I went into the toilets and I just destroyed their sink. I mean, as (laughs) ultimate power boffing as you can imagine, that was me. It was loud. It was disgusting. (laughs) You know, I was not a good guy about it. Went and got the missus and spent all night throwing up, but I will never forget that night. Fair enough. One of my most memorable experiences is when you and I and a whole bunch of us, a whole big 10-person crew went and saw uh, Magic Mike XXL in the big gold class cinema. Of course you would say that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Mainly because the movie was terrible and we all knew it was terrible and we were all turning to each other looking at each other like, "Uh, are we actually watching this? What is this garbage? And we proceeded to spend most of the time just swapping chairs and mucking around and having a good old time in that gold class in the recliners. In the end, it wasn't even about the movie. It was about us just having an awesome time. (laughs) That's that's one of my most memorable experiences. The spring of 1998... I had just turned 16 and I went inside Titanic for the first time. It was incredible. I had no idea that the movie was three hours long. And I really, really, really had to pee for like 45 minutes and I kept holding it as long as I could. Finally, I got up and went and uh, it made the rest of the movie all the better for it. I remember waiting a while with colleagues before going to watch La La Land. We had heard the hype and had waited for it to die down. So, one Friday evening, logged up our computers before 5 o'clock, which already felt like a special occasion, and we went to visit the nearby Everyman Cinema. At the Everyman, food can be ordered beforehand and brought to your seats. But as we were going in, the cinema was already darkening as we walked up the ramp before the main feature started. As the lights dimmed fully, we had just made it to our seats in time. The opening sequence started in full Technicolor, tapped along to the rhythm and hummed the opening songs, feeling that Friday night feeling. I actually grew up in a little town in Pennsylvania called Stroudsburg, and nothing big ever happened in Stroudsburg, and certainly no movies were ever set in Stroudsburg. In 1996, I'm at the theater to see The Long Kiss Goodnight. They're driving through a town, and the boss or something is like, 
where are you right now? And Gina Davis looks at the map and says, Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. And someone in the theater goes, no fucking way. The whole theater just erupted into applaud and screaming. It was like being at like a high school football game. I will never forget watching the final Twilight movie on opening night in front of a packed house of diehard fans. Everyone there had read the book, and everyone was braced for that disappointing finale. But then Carlisle Cullum was decapitated, and for five glorious minutes, all bets were off as beloved book characters were slaughtered left, right, and centre by the gleeful director Bill Condon. And then the relief was so palpable and was revealed to be a premonition that the cinema erupted into spontaneous applause. If that's not what the multiplex is about, I don't know what is. I'm just going to touch on a couple of others and then I'll give you two the floor again if you have any anything else. Just All right. the time. Um, went to Greece and saw The Hangover with my now wife, but the not the film that was special, it was the fact it was an open-air cinema, which I'd never done before uh, at night. Open-air cinema at night, absolutely. I was so relaxed. My wife took a picture of me in the chair watching... The hangover, and I was almost like part of the chair. I was so relaxed, you know. So that that was an experience. I'm an open air cinema. Absolutely love that. And then sort of early nineties again, seeing, which was a bit rare at the time, seeing a non English film on the big screen um, at a local cinema called Pulse, called Screen, which used to show like Mike Lee films and, and foreign films. You won't you won't get those in the audience basically. But La Femme Nikita, which is a Luke Besson film, I remember seeing that on the big screen and just being sort of blown away by that. And then Three Colours Red, which is a completely different film. But So my appreciation of, of world cinema really stepped up during that time. Uh, and then one other film I mentioned quickly, Seven, which was kind of like electric shock version of, of cinema. You know, as close you're going to get as having your mind blown. That just, when I watched Seven and came out of that, I was like, needed therapy, basically. But that, that was an experience. David Finch, you know, one of my favourite directors now, but what happens in that film, not just the ending, but, but the ending as well. And coming out of the cinema then, I remember going back to my friend's house. We were all just kind of stunned we didn't know what to say you know so we took that experience with us and one of my favorite of all, all time films now so doug do you have any anything else you want to add um yeah well another one sort of early on was was getting to see jurassic park um that's that's another you know major moment remembering Seeing that film, unfortunately, I got to the cinema. We got to the cinema late, and I had to sit in the very front row and like crane my neck up to see the screen. But to see a blockbuster like that, I, that's probably the first big blockbuster I remember seeing in a cinema, and just being so equally terrified and entertained in equal measure, which was something I kind of got from Spielberg watching Jaws at home, you know, being so terrified but still being entertained somehow. And then to see Schindler's List not long after, I I think I was clearly far too young to appreciate that movie. I have no idea why (laughs) I saw that in a cinema. Uh, I think it was kind of like, I think my grandmother wanted to give me a bit of a history lesson and... To, to later then realize the same filmmaker made both those films kind of blew my mind as a child because I couldn't quite comprehend that someone could do such different films well in the same year as well, which is still crazy to think about. But uh, to, to see a filmmaker be able to, to, to work in both worlds was something I think I'd never really appreciated before. I, I Spielberg was probably the first filmmaker that i knew and knew their style and that came through in all his movies everything he's ever made is sort of so inherently spielberg and that those two films were kind of the moment i guess i got more interested in understanding filmmakers and filmmaking and directing and and realizing that there are people behind these films that make them they don't just appear on the cinema and kind of then going down that path of, of of learning more about 
you know, filmmakers and the directors in history and things like that. And that was kind of my entry point into that as a sort of 10 or 11 year old, however old I was back then. Just quickly, um, I've got a quick Jurassic Park story. I'm not, and I've told it before, but I went to see that on my own. Fair screening, got a ticket, went to see it on my own. I was, I was at school. Um, and coming back, the cinema was kind of a little bit out of the way, so you had to walk down a, a main a main road to, to get back to, to get a bus or whatever. Uh, and a couple of trucks, uh, lorries went by. <laughs> I think I've, I think Doug, you mind the story. And a couple, yeah. of, a couple of lorries went by, and I was still immersed in this this thing I'd just seen. And I'm, for a split second, I thought the lorry was a T Rex. I'm not kidding. You know, so it was like, <laughs> it was like that. I jumped out of my skin. <gasps> What's that? Oh, it's just a lorry. Uh, so cinema having that experience as well. That 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 I always laugh about that, but that was like still jumpy after seeing it. Um, yeah. So uh, Julia. I guess the other one that really shaped me, and I know it's going to be repetitive because it's a movie musical again, but um, Hairspray, I just thought it was crazy. Um, this is the 2007 Hairspray, the musical one, not the original one from the 80s, I believe. Um, it's funny because I, for some reason, didn't even want to see that movie. Like, I wasn't into it, and then my family, like, dragged me to the theater, and I was only, like, 11 at the time. But then I loved it, and it's, like, my favorite movie musical ever now so I was just like I went in disgruntled and then I came out all excited and happy so that was kind of weird I don't even know why I didn't want to see it because it's like up my alley but you know there's that when I was younger I used to like go to movies um with my friends and we felt like all like grown up because we could like go without our parents so we would just see like I don't even know which ones but it was like kind of like what we would call chick flicks or the dumbest things we all like laugh and make fun of them and just like get it but also kind of get into them and enjoy them so, like, those experiences were always, like, so much fun because we felt, like, so grown up going to them. And this is, like, when I was, like, 10. And we saw, like, there's this movie with Hilary Duff and her sister, Haley Duff. And just, like, a few other ones, like, a like Valentine's Day that was, like, a Gary Marshall one. And we just felt, like, so cool and everything. And it just, I don't know, those are, like, my favorite experiences almost. Just because it was, like, fun with my friends and we, I don't know, it's just, like, a happy memory, I guess. We had just moved to Spokane, Washington, and didn't quite know where everything was. And a, a little remote theater on the outskirts of the city was playing a revival of Sleeping Beauty. And we got lost on the way to the theater. And we, we, we literally spent two hours driving around Spokane trying to find our way to this little theater on the outskirts of town. And we ran into this really amazing little old woman and she just magically led us to the right place. And even though we were now seeing the movie two hours later than we had anticipated, we still went anyways. And it was just as magical and just as amazing as I was hoping for. That is in large parts what help make me the person I am today. The first time I saw Gravity on the big screen, it was at the London Film Festival. It was very early in the morning and it was in, I think, Odeon Leicester Square, so a huge cinema. And I haven't cried that much in a long time. I found the space scene so compelling and vast and the story so personal. Seeing Monsieur Alan Delon do that thing with the brim of the fedora, thinking that's probably the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. This year's True False Film Festival was my first ever film festival where I saw Boy State, Time, and others. And just being in the theater for each of them felt kind of life-changing because of the audience. I had never been with a theater audience like this before, who I knew from seeing the attention the films got from them that they were just as into films as I was. It felt comforting almost, like I had found a crowd that I could easily get used to. In a way, I felt as if I was at home. Um, also, once again revealing my age, I have childhood memories of being traumatised by films like E.T. and having to leave the cinema because my cousin was crying so hard. Uh, and just generally being traumatised by a lot of um, 80s movies like The Black Cauldron, which was my first cinema experience. I'm surprised it didn't put me off for life. One of my favorite cinematic moments would have to be from the film Blue by Krzysztof Kieslowski. 
uh, where Juliet Binoche is haunted by colors of blue, of music, and of her lost husband and daughter after a car accident. Uh, amazing scene, amazing acting, uh, just amalgamates all together into a masterpiece. When I saw Little Women and the new Greta Gerwig version of the film, uh, again, I cried. I'm thinking that emotional resonance is something that I obviously value in my moments of cinema. Um, I was so taken aback by a classic story being retold in a really clever way. I thought it spoke to me as a woman now, even though you're talking hundreds of years ago when this actually happened, how it showed women's anger, women's love, women thinking about their career. What has always intrigued me about going to the cinema is that bubbling anticipation of the giant screen in front of you, turning from pitch black into vivid colors, the sound system blasting into full mode, and the lights growing darker around you. But I will never forget the thrill of my childhood and teenage years. The cinema was my favorite place in the world, and it definitely still is to this day. My first cinema memory is of watching Hercules when I was about six or seven years old. We had absolutely terrible seas, it was first row and off to the side in this tiny cinema. But at the same time, it was absolutely perfect because I felt completely devoured by this colourful new world and the heroes and the villains and the romance and the action. Perfect in every single way. Just once I think like seeing stuff with my friends and family is that's just the fun of it all, I guess. For me and like having that collective experience with people like I've been to movies and I've been disappointed when there wasn't a large crowd because I didn't get to like go ooh and ah with them but I also sometimes like it when it's quiet because I can really pay attention um just as long as people aren't talking next to me because yeah. that has ruined some really other what otherwise would have been great movie experiences no I get I I like to see <laughs> movies on my own I, I used to see them on my own a lot and I, I still do now kind of because I've because I've got children, uh, sometimes it's not convenient. Yeah, I used to be afraid of, like, going so almost, because I was, or even, like, with my family or whatever, I was afraid, like, a, of a stranger sitting next to me. This weird thing about people sitting next to me, like, strangers, even on the bus, but I can handle it now. I could not when I was a kid. No, I, I, I can't handle it now. <laughs> I've never been, I, I don't, unless it's, obviously, if I'm, if it's, if it's someone I've gone with, I don't mind. But, um, even... I mean, like, strangers, people I don't know. Yeah, because it's like that... <laughs> When you that moment before the film trailer start, people come in, and I'm like, please don't sit near me. And it's every single person, <laughs> and that's I think that's just a, a like, neurotic part of everybody. It's heightened. When they went bag with a magazine, like you know, I don't know if they have this in your theaters. Our theater gives out magazines, <laughs> like upcoming movies. I just put it in the seat next to me. I'm like, please don't sit here. Yeah. But we booked we book seats in advance now for most of my local theaters. So if they're gonna sit next to me, they are. But when I book tickets, I make sure no one's. Next to me at the two, time, two but coats, one, one for each side, one coat there, one coat. <laughs> yeah. I don't... I have to buy extra seats to make sure that doesn't <laughs> yeah. happen. Yeah, I want to be absolutely certain. <laughs> um, I get so much anxiety out out of seeing a film in a cinema with a with someone for the first time because I'm just like, are you a talker? Are you a a rustler of popcorn or plastic wrappers? Are you someone oh, that is going to... Okay, I, eat, uh, I have another so story. Much can go Sorry, wrong. when you're done that, because I just thought of one. Okay. Um, I went to, you know, do you guys know Hunger Games? That yeah. came out um, mm-hmm. eight years ago now. Oh my gosh, that's such a long time ago. I went with two friends I'd never been to the movies with, I don't think. And one, so there was me and then this other guy next to me and then and our other friend next to him. And the guy on the other side of the other guy, like the guy who wasn't next to me he kept leaning over and trying to talk to me about like how this wasn't like the book like and it was really <laughs> dumb nitpicks too, because the Hunger Games is actually the mm. this is the first Hunger Games the movie is pretty close to the book for a cinematic adaptation in my opinion so he was like nitpicking over everything D- Doug do you have any others you want to mention uh, well, the only the last one I'd kind of wrap up with is is and I mean, this is and uh, was b- uh, racked with anxiety over this as well was taking my nephew to the movies for the first time, um, uh, knowing uh, as as an adult who often goes to see Disney and Pixar movies, I know what it is like to be sat next to a child who won't shut up. I know they are inherently children's movies, and children have more right to be there than I do. 
but it, but it was a you know a very difficult experience over sort of the last ten to fifteen years of going to these great Pixar movies and knowing that there are going to be children there because you know that most children generally don't behave in the cinema. So I took my nephew's first cinema experience was to see Finding Dory a few years ago, and much like I had been kind of told going to the cinema as a kid, you know, be quiet, be respectful. Um, you never know how a child is going to be inside a dark room, particularly if they're not particularly enjoying the movie and they get bored or they, you know, want to run around. But he was silent the entire film. Like he was just completely into it. I think he was so excited about going to the cinema for the first time. Cause Which he'd obviously, movie was this again? It was Finding Dory. So, I mean, it wasn't oh. the greatest of films to to be his first cinema experience, but it was the kids' movie in cinemas at the time. He was old okay. enough by, by that point, so it was kind of like let's let's do it. Um, he 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 still enjoyed it because it's a great kids' movie. It's just not as sort of depthy as the other Pixar movies. Um, but but to see him have that first experience and be completely enthralled as I was as a child was was so lovely to see that it that it still has the same. Going to the cinema still has the same power uh, over children. That that it was a really special experience for him. You know, I, I, to a child, a, 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 a screen is even bigger than than anything they've ever seen before. And I think he was just so sort of captivated by that that whole experience. Uh, and, and he is now completely addicted to going to the cinema as much as I am. So to be able to kind of pass on that to him was was such a lovely thing to, to happen oh my daughter went when i went to well she's she's seven now but when we went to see inside out and, and i even took her to see force awakens believe it or not but um she used to call it big screen so i'd say we watch a movie and she'd say are we going to big screen and it's sort of <laughs> feel a cute thing that kids say she doesn't say it anymore now because her language has developed but i kind of <laughs> wish i kind of wish she did wow so thank you both Awesomeness. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. We couldn't afford to go to the movies very much when I was a kid. But when I was eight, the Disney movie Dinosaur was coming out and I desperately wanted to go see it. But again, that's not something we really did. One Friday afternoon, my dad told my siblings and I to get in the car, but wouldn't say where we were going. He took us all to the newly built theater in town to see Dinosaur on opening day. I was in such disbelief. I still cherish that memory to this day. Probably my most visceral reaction to seeing a film in the cinema was when I went to see Blade Runner 2049. Um, I was just transfixed by the screen. Um, obviously there wasn't as much laughing. Um, it was more I just had my mouth open for a lot of the film because of the gorgeous shots. Uh, paired with the incredible music, just the entire spectacle that was playing out on screen completely enveloped me and I don't think I'll ever have an experience quite like it again. A special moment for me was going to this old British cinema in the night from the 1910s and I saw Xavier Dolan's Mommy. It was, I think, what, eight seats only? And here I was in this historic building, still being used to watch movies, one of the most influential and just absolutely incredible times I've ever had in a theater was at the 2018 AFI Fest where the closing night film was the world premiere of Mary Queen of Scots. This was the very first film festival I went to as press and it was so exciting as a critic. You know, you work so hard to even just get, you know, your thoughts out there and have this experience and being able to see the director and the cast and crew. It is just one of those most like rewarding experiences I've ever had. Just about eight years ago, I got got the opportunity to go to Paris. I went to the Paris Cinematheque there. I got to see uh, an original 35mm print of Vertigo on the big screen. And I'd never seen it on the big screen and, and the fact that it was a, a 35mm film print of it, you could still, you could see the scratches in the film. Also, conveniently, a Hitchcock movie, though not as fancy as seen in Paris, but was getting to see Shadow of a Doubt in the theaters, which was also actually, I believe, the first movie we saw together in the theater. Yes. It felt very extra special and 
very heightened experience, and it was a very small theater, not that many people there. Going to see the Music Box Theater in Chicago, uh, my partner and I went, and we went to the theater to see it, but it was closed at the time for a special event. The owner was there and heard how much I love cinemas, and she let me in and gave me uh, a little bit of a private tour and told me about the history of, of the theater and her history in getting to the role that she was in uh, owning the theater. It was such a wonderful experience. Um, we were all just connected through our love for the cinema. It wouldn't be a JD moment if it did not involve what we call in our show, Hashtag JD Tears, as I am the emotional one of us at In Session Film. But watching Midnight Special, it was about seven or eight months after the birth of my son Sam. And for those that have seen Midnight Special, you'll know that it's a profound film about parental sacrifice. Ultimately, that's what we get with the Roy character at the end, anyway. And when we see Roy look at his son for what he knows is going to be the last time it changed me it deeply crushed me in ways that very few films have and it's a moment that I'll never forget for my 17th birthday I went to see the Martin Scorsese film Hugo in theaters and I was so drawn into how beautiful and richly detailed that world was that he crafted and I remember just sitting there getting completely lost in it and how much of a love letter to film that film is. And it made me want to learn more about film history and learn how to make them and go into writing about them. Thanks for coming. Do hope you enjoyed yourselves. Safe journey home and see you again soon.